Hey everybody, welcome to Pardon My Clarity, a podcast where we discuss Christian views and opinions, we weigh them against scripture and see how they hold up. I'm your host, John Maskey, and in today's episode, we're going to be discussing Proverbs 11.30. Is this a verse about soul winning? Let's find out together. This podcast has been a life goal of mine for about two years. I am excited. I am looking forward to diving into this. I've actually been staying up super late, just so filled with energy and excitement and wanting to work on so many different topics and projects and guest speakers. I've reached out to several people already that I'm, I'm thrilled to have on, and I know it's going to be a good time. I want to make sure that I get across clearly and plainly that I don't come at this from a place of anger or bitterness about my past or the way I was raised or the denomination that I came from, which is Baptist. I'm now a non-denominational Christian. And for me, the, the term Christian is denomination enough. I think that's all the clarification that we need, but that's a whole separate episode. <laughs> uh, my wife and I live in Westchester, Ohio, and we have two kids, Russell and Max. They love all things Mario, Sonic, Ice Cream, Spider-Man, you name it, man. They're into it. Um, we have a good time together. Um, my wife and I have been married nine years, and we are in a place of spiritual freedom that we were never in before. We are humbled by the simplicity of the love of Jesus and his absolute desire, no strings attached, to be our friend comfort, guide, help. Yeah, guys, it's a good time for us. I hope you're in a place like that. I hope you have a church and a ministry that you can plug into. I hope your walk with Jesus is strong. And if it's not, I hope this podcast can help with that in some way. I have a story of freedom that has been relatively new to me. But if I'm able to help in any way, please reach out to me through social media um, through the notes of this podcast, you can reach out through Anchor, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. Just reach out if you need somebody to pray for you. I love to pray for people, and I would love to take the opportunity to pray for you as well. Um, that being said, we've got some material to get into today. The podcast episodes are not going to be too long, but I do want to take some time to dive into this. Let's get it. The traditional view of Proverbs 11.30 is that it's a verse about soul winning. I've heard this my whole life, raised in a branch of Christianity that was very heavy in evangelism, as I'm sure most of you were as well. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a wonderful thing. It's a biblical mandate. It's a command from the Lord. It's one of Jesus' last commands to his disciples before he ascended back into heaven. But is this verse in Proverbs 11.30 talking about soul winning? In the King James, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Now, this verse can be divided into two parts, as most Proverbs can be. We've got the first portion of the verse, which says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And that's a Hebrew metaphor, which makes a little bit more sense when you add the word like in the middle of it. Just so for your imagination's sake, just add it in the middle. The fruit of the righteous is like a tree of life. Okay, so this is a metaphor, like, uh, man, that's water off a duck's back, right? Or, man, that person just poured into me, 
and it was a well of living water just springing up inside me, right? So that person, if someone spoke to me, they weren't literally pouring something into me and I wasn't literally springing up with water flowing out of me, right? It's a metaphor, meaning they were adding to me and it just made me overflow with, with the awe of what they said and the truth of what they said, right? Um, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. The fruit of the righteous is like a tree of life as some other versions add for clarification. Tree of life comes from the Hebrew noun spelled K-H-A-Y-Y-I-M, which I will not attempt to pronounce for you here because I don't speak Hebrew, which basically it means a long and healthy life or life-giving influence and provision for others. We also have to understand that this passage was written thousands of years before the Great Commission was given to the Jewish people in the book of Acts. This was Solomon, a father writing to his son, explaining to him the importance of righteousness and the fruit it brings, which is long healthy life, influence and provision for others. This is a verse about wisdom and the success it brings, the success that righteousness brings, the success that having wisdom and righteousness will bring to your table as an outgoing person with influential ideas and, and as you provide for others how they will be drawn to you by the wisdom and righteousness that you carry. This is wonderful advice from a father to a son who he knows will be a future leader in the, in the kingdom of Israel saying, son, if you want to be a good king, a great king, you need to have righteousness because the fruit it brings is a long and healthy life and influence and provision for others. The second portion of the verse quoted, and he that winneth souls is wise, can also be read, he that takes souls is wise. This is translated from two Hebrew words. First one is spelled A, excuse me, L-A-Q-A-K-H which means to lay hold of, to seize or capture. And the other word is K-H-A-K-H-A-M, which means wise. When you put them together, it means to capture people with influential ideas. So the implication is wisdom that captures people. It's the idea of winning people over to yourself with wise ideas or light bulb moments as we would probably call them today, right? At no point in this chapter does the author imply salvation of lost souls or conversion uh, while imparting these ancient proverbs to his son. Nevertheless, a lot of Christians have been misinterpreting this passage for a long time to mean soul winning is wise, right? So when we understand the first part of that verse that the tree of life portion is talking about a metaphorical long and healthy life and it's used as a tree that grows, it blossoms, it, it, it blooms, it, it succeeds, right? And the second part of the verse means wisdom is, 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 is addicting, it's, it's, it's captivating, it latches onto, it seizes, it captures, it lays hold of people's minds around you and wins them over to yourself. He that wins souls, he that wins souls to himself, he that captures, to lay, he that lays hold of or, or captures people with his wisdom is wise. He that captures people with influential ideas is a wise man. It's the idea of winning people over to yourself. It's a wonderful verse. Unfortunately, based on this interpretation, we can see it has nothing to do with salvation. Now, 
That being said, I want to talk about soul winning for a minute. Soul winning is a biblical concept. Evangelism is a biblical New Testament mandate given by Jesus himself in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Right? This is irrefutable. It's undisputable that Jesus wanted us to reach out to others in the world. His final command to the disciples before he ascended in Acts chapter uh, 1 verse 8b says, And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Soul winning is biblical. This is not, I'm not here to say that because Proverbs 1130 is not about soul winning, that is somehow an attack on soul winning, which it's not. Outreach, community outreach, evangelism, proselyting, whatever term you want to put on it, soul winning, sure, call it whatever you, the Great Commission, if you want to use that term. It's biblical. It's a mandate. It's a command. It is our instruction. It's our mandate. It's our charge as Christians on this earth to reach out to others and win them to Jesus. Not ourselves, but to Christ. See, we have nothing special to bring to the table. If I'm an outgoing personality and I'm a great salesman and I can convince somebody to say a prayer or agree or shake my hand or come to my church, that's wonderful, but that doesn't mean that they got saved. It's the power of Christ that compels them to see the Lord in a way they've never seen Him before. And our testimony, the Word of God with our testimony is a powerful tool and should be used. There are many other passages to support the biblical mandate of the Great Commission in the New Testament. Unfortunately, Proverbs 11.30 is simply not one of them. But let's not get all upset about something that Scripture teaches differently than a previous common interpretation. Ask yourself, is this a hill worth dying on? I mean, me personally, I don't think so. If you want to quote Proverbs 11.30 to somebody and say, this is why we should go soul winning. You know, it's not, but going soul winning is a biblical thing. So what you're teaching is right. You're just using the wrong verse. I would encourage you to use verses like Acts chapter 1 verse 8 and Mark chapter 16 verse 15. These are quoting the Savior Jesus Christ himself in his own words and him giving that challenge, that commission, that order, that mandate to his children saying, you need to go reach people. You need to tell people the good news of the gospel, which is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. I have learned that the Bible speaks clearly about soul winning, evangelism, the Great Commission. So we don't need to drum up additional scripture to support it out of context. In doing so, we lose the meaning of a beautiful passage of a father to his son explaining the benefit, the success, the end result of righteousness in Proverbs 11.30. In a side note, while I was studying this passage and the Hebrew behind it, I discovered that there is much debate over the exact translation of the end of Proverbs 11.30. I'll provide a link in the description for those who wish to dive into the translational argumentation of it all, but it's pretty interesting to see how the English translators in different Bible translations, they vary greatly on the exact ending of this verse. Um, most of the Proverbs that precede this particular proverb, especially in Proverbs chapter 5 through 10, have a 
positive negative or negative positive. In other words, if you're wise, this will happen. If you're dumb, this will happen. <laughs> uh, but this particular proverb is odd, it's unique, I should say, in the way that it's worded as positive positive. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, positive, and he that wins souls is wise, positive. Most of the proverbs prior to this, in fact, 90% of them before this are not in this manner. There's also argumentation about the particular Hebrew words used in the latter half of the verse. Um, for sake of time and clarity and for not wanting to veer too far off course into a whole nother topic of biblical translation from Hebrew and Greek, I decided to sidestep that whole issue entirely. But I'll, like I said, I'll provide a link in the description. It's a 13-page article written by a person named Lee Fields. It's a great study. You should look it up. It's kind of heavy reading, but I think it's important to know why my Bible says what it does in English when it came from a different language altogether, and how we ended up tying those in, how they used the, the, the words, how they chose the words that they ended up choosing, and is there a better translation in a different Bible? Fun study. I'd like to leave you all with this parting thought. When speaking the truth, remember two things. Deliver it in love, and deliver it clearly. Thank you guys so much for listening today. If you enjoyed what you heard and you'd like to support, please like and subscribe and share it on social media if you feel comfortable doing so. And I appreciate it greatly. Thanks for the listen. We'll see you next episode.